Well, well, if it isn't McGuff the crime dog. Back for another test? I think the first one was defective. The plus sign looks more like a division symbol, so I remain unconvinced. Third test today, Mama Bear. Your ego is prego. No doubt about it. It's really easy to tell. Is your nipples real brown? Yeah. Maybe your little boyfriend's got mutant sperms. Knocked you up twice. Silencio, old man! Look, I just drank my weight in Sunny D, and I gotta go pronto. Oh, you know where the lavatory is. Pay for that pee stick when you're done. Don't think it's yours just because you marked it with your urine. Welcome to Generation Loss. I thought you were going to whisper it. I thought for sure you were going to whisper it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Generation Loss. A show about movies with Brandon Jeremy. It's an ASMR. It's an A-N-S-A-N-R-A-A. It's an A-N-S-A-N-R-A-A. No one wants to hear the whisper. We'll start normal. You can include this if you want. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Generation Loss, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. And as you know, we don't take ourselves too serious. You like, have to know by now. Uh, and it is episode seven of the Twee Thousands, or eight. Whatever. I counted earlier. We're in it. It doesn't matter. We're in it. We're past We're past Garden State. We're, 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 now we're past the, Little Miss Sunshine. Dude, I, we said last week, I think we said it, something was the pinnacle, but I feel like watching Juno, which is the episode we're going to talk about, which is the movie we're going to talk about today. I couldn't believe this. Mm. It was like a commercial for the Twee Thousands. Yeah. So I think, well, so I think what we <laughs> have is like the the crest of the wave is Little Miss Sunshine. That's when, when it reaches its peak of, of quality and when we get like the closest to a good movie that's explicitly part of that genre. And then this is yeah. kind of like, this is this is the one that like kind of exemplifies a lot of it um, and, and, and kind of like, amplifies it and really starts to package it into something that's like really distinctly you know the, yeah, the second half of this product. yeah the second half of this decade basically is all about selling this now right and i have a lot of things to say about this movie i do too i but we'll but we'll, we will get there we will get there we will get there you better believe <laughs> folks at home you'd better believe <laughs> you, we will get you there. You have to believe it. You must believe uh, me. <laughs> uh, I can sense it. I can sense out there some of you not believing me. Don't don't not believe Jeremy. You'd He's better, telling the you'd truth. You better fucking believe. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part of the show where we talk about what else we watched this week. And I know Jeremy is just champing at the bit champing that's right he is he's champing at the bit which I'm is champing. the actual phrase what it's is not ch- chomping what does that mean i thought ch- i thought horses they have a bit in their you'd, mouth and they chomp at it you'd think that but it isn't what do you what do you ch- what does it mean to champ something i don't know what is the bit the bit is a thing in their mouth i think and they do champ they at champ it. at it they don't chomp. That's what I hear. They must. That's what, Bryn, the, that's what the internet has told me. Bryn, they must chomp. <laughs> 
I think they do chomp it, but they also champ at it. Oh, they chew on the bit. It's champing. Oh, from NPR. Chew on this. Is it chomping or champing? It's champing at the bit. It's to show impatience. Uh, What is champing? It is uh, the original and better form, says the AP. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it means. I I don't know if anybody knows. (laughs) 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 Uh, But AP knows enough to say it's better. Uh huh. Fuck off, AP. It comes from something said about how they bite their bits repeatedly and rest. Yeah, they they chomp. They they chomp on. They champ it. (laughs) AP stands for asshole penis. That's what I think of you, AP. Well, Jeremy's champing and chomping <laughs> to talk about this thing that he watched. That's right, Bryn. Uh, this week, <laughs> uh, this week I watched um, uh, the new Louis C.K. movie, Fourth of <laughs> oh, July. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn the episode off. Don't turn the episode off. We're going to talk about this respectfully. I so I had this experience of. I'm sure a lot of people had this experience this past month. I talked to Jordan about it. He he felt the same way. Uh, that like <laughs> we're gonna cancel Jordan. That well, but that um, suddenly you just see Louis C.K. a lot. Yes, he's like on every he podcast. He started emailing right now. me again. He started emailing you again, and he's on every like big YouTube podcast. He's on like Flagrant. He's on um, Tiger Tiger. I don't know all, all these. He's on Joe Rogan. He's on all these big YouTube podcasts that okay. like you get in your in your thing sometimes. And um, I just started seeing his face a lot, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, is everybody just kind of all at once being like, I guess Louis?" Louis I mean, is okay now. He He's has back. A, he has a lot of money. And if you have a lot of money to be like, look, I gotta I wanna do my thing. Yeah. I'm ready. I feel like I've the people in my life probably do you think he's still friends with better things, girl? No, 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 no. They're she's, not they have like, no relationship anymore. Uh him and like basically all of his seeming I listened to one of these podcasts with him because I was like I was like, I wonder like where he's at these days. Like, is he like more reflective about what happened? Like, does he like talk about it very openly? He doesn't talk about it at all. Nobody talks about it. Nobody ever brings it up. They barely bring it up. The only time I did hear it brought up was in the context of public shaming and whether or not he was like traumatized by being publicly shamed, which is he said that uh, somebody asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it was hard. I mean, it was, you know, but I'm not like going to make it about that. But like, yeah, sure. It was hard. Like he's, <laughs> it's interesting. He's always been interesting to me because he does seem very like, he is a very introspective guy and he's able that, to yeah, very like, you know, eloquently talk about things. And he doesn't seem to ever really want to center himself in this sort of shit. And so it was interesting to hear him be like, sure, yeah, it was traumatic, but I mean, it's not really what it's about. And, you know, and kind of like browse past it, basically being like, I don't want to make this about this. I made a movie. So he made a movie. It's called Fourth of July. That's why he's been on everything. Right. He's doing a press tour. And um, I heard him talk about the movie and I was like, that's interesting. I wonder what it's going to be like. And I, I loved his show i loved louis oh it's a great show i loved uh uh lucky louis i love i think he's a really fantastic artist oh, and he made really great work and i was interested to see you know and he raped wh- and, and he se- raped sexually uh, i don't know what because the thing he was accused of was m- public 
or, or he um yeah he he like five or six different women he did this to yeah uh, he, or at least that came forward he like jerked off in front of them jerked off in front of will. them in hotel rooms at like comedy festivals and things right and um yeah it's bad he should oh, he, super he bad. should be held accountable for it he should be he should be in trouble he you know he did bad thing and I was interested to see kind of like where he's at and and whether it would come through in this movie at all if there was anything kind sure. of like even a little bit about it. Not really. Uh, so I watched a the movie. A little bit though. But I, I heard him talk about it, you know, talk about the movie a bunch and, and it sounded interesting and I was like, oh, fucking check it out. Why not? Sure. And um, Did I, you watch I Love You, Daddy? No, but I, I, I downloaded that as well because I'm like, now I'm really curious about that. I've always wanted to watch it. I've never made time to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because I hear it's fucked up and weird. I bet. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah, so I, I downloaded the both of them. I was, I briefly considered paying for it, but I was like, I don't know. It's weird with Louis in particular. Like, we talk a lot about, like, you know, do, does it, like, su- financially supporting people yeah, who are yeah, canceled yeah. or whatever. And, like, it's different with Louis in particular just because of his, like, direct model that he does with his sales where you're like, no, this actually goes 100% to his pocket <laughs> you have to go to his website and give him money ten dollars <laughs> yeah so th- there was it's a part of me where i was right like to his venmo yeah like i'm not i, I i'm not cool with that i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna just illegally download it so sure. i did and um i watched it it's interesting it's uh it's really good Great. um in the ways that you'd expect it to be good and it's really held back in the ways that you'd expect it to be held back. <laughs> so uh, the ways I would expect it to be held back are like not being forthcoming about all of its what's in its hand, I guess. <laughs> you know, like uh, not putting its cards on the table. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, it's not like that. I mean, so it's it's uh, so the story of the movie is Joe List. I realized what I said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe uh, List. Joe List co-wrote it with with Louis C.K. and um, it's about a it's about an alcoholic uh, jazz piano player who's uh, uh, he's sober alcoholic, so he's like in the program and he's going to see his family uh, in oh like, yes, rural I've seen Massachusetts and uh, spend the weekend with them for Fourth of July, and he plans to confront them about like his fucked up you know uh, emotional relationship with them and how there's no openness in their family and whatever and how he feels stunted because of it and how his relationship with his wife is stunted because of it and whatever and um it's really just it's a lot of character stuff it's a lot of uh dialogue stuff uh and the stuff that's really good is uh it's really well written there's mm-hmm. a lot of really interesting fun like there it's funny when it needs to be funny it's sad when it needs to be sad there's a lot of interesting like power dynamic stuff with like um he uh joe list's character like he like tries to confront his parents and it doesn't work the first time like he says like you know you never really like showed me love the way that a mother should show a son love and like i don't even think i can't even remember the last time you hugged me and she's like what you need a hug here i'll give you a hug and she like comes over and like really lightly pats him on the back hugs him so there there you go okay you got a hug and and (laughs) then he's like on the phone with his therapist and his therapist is like, listen, you know, like that really sucks, but um, I got another patient coming and like, I really can't really <laughs> talk to you right now. And he's like, all right, cool, whatever. And then he like calls his sponsor and his sponsor is just like, listen, do you feel like drinking? And he's like, no. And he's like, well, then you're all right. 
And like, there's just like these really nice moments like that where you just feel him just like all alone with like no resources <laughs> that are actually tooled for what he needs it for. Right. Which is like how to communicate with someone who really doesn't want to be communicated exactly. with. Exactly. And, and everybody that he has as a support system has a specific function that this isn't it, you know? <laughs> um, so there's like stuff like that that's really good. Um it has like a nice resolution, even though it kind of feels like it's not fully realized because it kind of like rushes to the ending. Uh, but it has a nice conclusion. I feel um, that I, I like just message wise. Like he kind of realizes, I guess that like as much as like his family isn't like giving, isn't uh, fulfilling his emotional needs. Like he's not fulfilling theirs either. And he's realizing that it's kind of like a two way street between him and his parents. Uh, so he kind of has to like put aside some of his shit too. And anyway, but like po- what, uh, like literally like the end of the movie is like, he goes through like a pretty emotional thing, like outside of his family altogether and like he has this realization and kind of just like goes up and like the last thing in the movie is he literally just goes up and hugs his mom mm. and like holds her for a while and that's kind of like his resolution of being like oh like i i'm responsible for part of this relationship too you know sure, yeah uh but it also feels very rushed um mm-hmm. but anyway so that's that's the good stuff about it joe list is pretty good uh his acting is better than i expected uh there's a couple side characters who are pretty good as well However, one of the worst things about it is the acting in other places. Oh, really? Uh, his wife is played by his real-life wife, uh, Sarah Tolmach. I was a great choice. She is... <laughs> Getting your actual wife to Really be. dreadful. She's yeah. just fucking awful. <laughs> um, really, really bad. Uh, some of the people in his family are pretty bad. The Boston accents are really atrocious. Uh... That stuff doesn't work. The biggest problem, They're however, faking Boston accents. Yeah, like Nick Why DiPaolo just... is like a famously not Boston-sounding guy, but he's doing a Boston accent. Why didn't they just get Boston comics? Yeah, I don't or know. actors or I whatever. I think they are. I think a lot of them are from Boston. They're just not doing the accent good because they don't have it. I see. Uh, so that all is kind of rough. Uh, the biggest problem with it, though, is he is so rusty on editing that it's just like unendurable at times. Really? There's really like, like stuff like that fucking like the, the Bohemian Rhapsody scene where you're just like cutting so constantly that you're like, just stay still. Hang on a second. Hang Let on. Let me look at something. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of makes me think that part of the problem might be that he just didn't get good takes out of the actors because they're not very good. Sure. And so he might be cutting to like actually get a good line <laughs> together. <laughs> Uh, but it, it cuts too much. Uh, a lot? Like quite a few times? There's quite a few times where I noticed it. Yeah, there were a few times where I like stopped and rewound it a few times to be like, what the fuck just happened there? <laughs> like it. Um, and, and the other big thing I noticed is uh, his his shot selection is really bad. Um, mm-hmm. Like he, uh, um, I think his his longtime DP and cinematographer guy didn't work on this. He famously, like, through all of his career, for the most part, uses the same people all the time. Like, his his sound guy is his sound guy since, like, the early 90s. Okay. Like, when he was making short films. Oh, wow. Um, like, his DP is the same guy he's been using since the early 90s. Everything he does is, like, the same people forever. And most of them are back for this, uh, despite everything that's happened. Right. Uh, but his DP cinematographer guy isn't. And I don't know why I didn't find anything about it. I tried to look for it because mm-hmm. I was curious. 
I, I can't find anything online about it, but uh, yeah, it, it's noticeably worse looking than anything <laughs> he makes. Damn. Uh, and shot selection is weird. Framing is weird sometimes. Like, there's a lot of like placement of people where you're just like, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> uh, but overall, I don't know. It's interesting. It's 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 you can see you can see that it was written by somebody who knows what they're doing. Sure. And it's an interesting it gave me a lot to think about in terms of like he's he's a bad guy and he shouldn't probably be allowed to be influential again, right? Sure. However, he's well, he's a guy who abused his power. He when abused he his had power, it. so he shouldn't be allowed to have power again, right? But does making a movie give you power like it's it's yeah. it, it gave me a lot to think about around that and 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 seeing kind of the bones of what could have been a great movie probably if he had the resources to make a great movie you're like you're you're left wondering you know like like no he shouldn't i don't know like he shouldn't be allowed to 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 do that but then also you're like i don't know but he may he makes good stuff like <laughs> well yeah I, I i think well like what can he do one thing i wonder a lot about with this kind of thing is what would the women who are mostly comedians and and Mm -hmm. and writers themselves want done uh that's never a question anyone asks Mm -hmm. like literally nobody at buzzfeed or whoever was writing about you know I think that was who like wrote the big expose or whatever. I think it actually might've been like the times, the times, <laughs> yeah. like the New York, the times? New York times. Yeah. I don't recall anybody being like, what should happen to Louis CK? Yeah. To the women who it happened to. And I, I, I find that when I talk to women who have been in that situation, like there's very wildly different answers, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and it depends on what actually happened, you know? Uh, and in Louis C.K.'s case, I, I have, I wonder what would be said. Because uh, you can't, you could put him in jail. Do people want jail? But besides, like, taking away his rights, like, you can't stop a person from making art. Or, lose, yeah. you know, could, maybe, maybe he has to lose all his money. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, I feel like, because it's so frustrating and justice is one of the most complicated issues in like human history and, mm-hmm. and experience, people just don't, just people ignore it. Yeah. Cause we're not even really like most people aren't even so hot on like how we do regular justice that is established. I'm pretty against it. Like, actually. Like most like, of the time you look at it and you're like, well who who what like well this is just doing slavery for yeah, no reason it's really it's only like a very rare instance of like somebody like i don't know like like incarceration sometimes is like okay if this person is too dangerous to be outside like right. the idea of incarcerating them is like okay i get the idea but why are they doing all this work and stuff <laughs> like what's right. going on in there yeah <laughs> you know exactly. and then like and then you have like people who do stuff that you're like well they're not too dangerous to be outside they just need something else like yeah. they, they money they do need some sort of a punishment for doing a bad thing but is it 
taking years away from their one precious life. Right. I don't know. Right. And I, I think most people don't think that's good. And because we have a completely broken justice system. Uh, yeah. Now we're adding new things to it as just regular people because of because of the failings of of the first part right right, it's like it's it's the whole reason there is such a thing as cancel culture or whatever we're calling this these days like the whole reason exists is because of the fact that like rapists just don't get in trouble for raping right because often they're cops and cops don't care exactly um and i feel like the the reason this whole thing happened was like in a in a real situation in real life in like diy spaces where it was like oh this guy's hanging around our our venue yes. and mistreating women. And so he's just not allowed here and we'll right. beat the shit out of him if he comes back. And then translating that to the internet and celebrity has just kind of made it nonsensical mm-hmm. at best <laughs> and sometimes just strange and, and, and weird and, and sometimes actively harmful to women. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't want to say like I'm defending abusers here i'm saying it's worse for women i think like it it can put you on the spot mm-hmm. and make you feel like you have to like talk about one of the worst things that's happened to you publicly to like have anyone care about it and they also have to be famous yeah or like have any notoriety or you still have no recourse mm-hmm. um and they have to be famous in a way that's not like beneficial to people like like uh uh like Joe Biden like can't get canceled for for what he did like there was a woman who came out and was just like Joe Biden like straight up like sexually assaulted me yeah, and everyone yeah. was like no 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 thank you that's not helpful right now <laughs> yeah so it's like it's 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 a not interested in actually giving a shit what these women think justice is except for just like i guess being open about it and some of them seemed like they wanted to say specifically what happened yeah most of them were anonymous Mm -hmm. because they don't want the fucking like heat of what happens because then people are talking about you on a podcast right uh (laughs) and you know what i mean like people tweet about you and be like good job ruining louis ck for me yeah uh and i just don't I, i just can't I feel like there's now this individualist like decision everyone has to make where it's like, do I care about, do I think that what this person is did is bad enough? Do I a believe that he did something bad? For example, in the case of like Aziz Ansari mm-hmm. where it's so confusing and strange where it's like, do I even care about this at all? And then if he did do something bad, like in the case of Louis CK or, everyone seems to agree on that and he apologized and admitted to it yeah does it matter to me as a consumer right or as a person what does my consumption do in this case like right am i hurting the women he hurt too or am i just like looking like my brand is weird because i'm like quote-unquote supporting an abuser now right and I just and then don't it gets like even healthy. more mixed up with like you know these podcasters who have him on for his press tour for Fourth of July, and you're like, sure. okay, so you're you're okay, you're with actually it. making a statement by doing this because you're actually saying not only like you know are you okay with it in whatever capacity, but you're also like I'm going to help him come back now, or you're making the statement like now he has been punished mm-hmm. for whatever that means. And then it's like, but there's no conversation to be had about that. Yeah. It's like, is he? Did he? He's rich. He can make movies. So mm-hmm. is that 
Did it taking a five year break from public life? Is that a punishment? I have no idea. Yeah. And, I, and I, I feel like I would have liked in terms of like him as a character in my mind, I would have liked a much more open discussion of yeah. like why he did the things he did, how the guilt he felt about it manifested, what he's doing to like make it up to people and have those people like say, yes, he did make it up to me. He yeah. did apologize and show people that there can be some path towards reconciliation or, or restitution. Maybe. I don't know if there can be. I'm not really sure. But he doesn't, right? He just makes another movie. So it's yeah. like, it goes on podcasts. So it's like, I don't know, kind of fuck him. But also, that's not, if it's a good movie, I'll watch the movie. I don't know. Yeah, it's <laughs> all right. It's it's okay. <laughs> it's an okay movie. I just think it's weird that, that it's like, you now there's this whole thing where people are going to have a conversation about that about justice as a whole mm. uh, have a pl- have a platonic discussion about justice just to talk about a movie about loving your mom or whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> well anyway brain what did you watch this week well i didn't really watch very much honestly you were uh, watching the genie movie when so i got we're gonna, here yeah. <laughs> i uh i threw on because i i wasn't sure when you'd be here and i didn't know how long it was I, this movie i've been wanting to watch which was George Miller, the guy who directed Mad Max, The Road Warrior, Babe, Pig in the City, Mad Max Fury Road. His new movie is called 3,000 Years of Longing, Mm. uh, starring Idris Elba. And And it's about a um, beautiful lady. It's about what if uh, Tilda Swinton? Tilda Swinton. It's about what if um, at the end of Aladdin... (laughs) Aladdin. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's not about the genie being gay. <laughs> it's, well, it's about it at the end of Aladdin when Aladdin frees the genie and he gets yeah. legs. <laughs> what Aladdin's able to do now. <laughs> no, it's not about Aladdin. <laughs> it's about uh, Tilda Swinton finding a bottle and it has a genie in it. Mm-hmm. And, she, and it's Robin Williams. It is Idris Elba. <laughs> and uh, he's huge. And um, then he becomes normal size and he's still jacked Mm. and huge. Um, (laughs) And then he tells his long story about the first time he was imprisoned in a bottle. And then when he got released and then the next time he was imprisoned in a bottle and to here. So I'm really only halfway through the movie. Um, But what I'll say about it is that it's really beautiful looking. Mm -hmm. Um, It, didn't do well at all at the movie theater uh and people were like they didn't market it well the movie isn't very good or it is very good but it it isn't it's too weird or i barely heard anything about it right uh it feels so far kind of like a kid's movie because it's like told as a fairy tale I mean, it's very uh, not a kid's movie. It's R-rated. There's lots of nudity and violence and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it has this sort of very... Fan- you know, it kind of feels like The Green Knight. You ever seen that movie? No. Very... A ton of very weird visuals. But this one, is, this is at least in service of something, of telling this very, like, long, centuries-long story throughout time uh, about... 
it does something new with the genie idea that I haven't seen before, which is this is a woman who doesn't want anything. Mm-hmm. She is solitary, likes her life. She is a literary critic or a literary uh, historian. Um, she's a narrativist. And the genie is like, if you don't make three wishes, I, I'll die. Like the he's like he. Those are the stakes. The stake. Well, he doesn't. He'll he'll be like banished. He'll go like back into the bottle, and he hates mm. being in the bottle. It's like hell for him. Right. Um. So, as you were f- sort of figuring it out, she's like, all genies are tricksters. Like she like knows all about history and and stories and stuff. She's like every story, even the ones you're telling me, are about someone getting fucked by wishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are no wishing stories or gin stories. Uh, that aren't cautionary tales. They're always about like, you know, a monkey's paw scenario. And then the one, and so she's like stopping and criticizing what's happening in his stories um, and how it means she should not wish for anything. Um, And he's trying to convince her that he's not a trickster. He's an idiot. He doesn't know (laughs) anything about tricking anybody, but she's like, that just makes me think you're a trickster. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have this sort of fun back and forth relationship uh, about whether you should wish for anything. Um, and it's fun. It's an interesting movie so far. Um, and I guess I, I can't really tell you if it's worth watching right now, but I'm having a good time with it. <laughs> I also watched the Gambo. Oh yeah. And the Gambo. Was, good Gambo. The Gambo was very good this time. Yes. Good Gambo. This I'm realizing a- that by the way, that when we talk about Gambo, the episodes that we're talking about Gambo on are coming out the day after the next gambo yeah, yeah, yeah so we keep being like just behind the curve on these but right. what are you gonna do it's that's the way it works that's how reactions work yeah um, um this one is all about fucking mm-hmm. uh and i liked it and it's like very salacious and very fun and very political in the way that you want your gambo to be it's very it's very season one gambo I found it's out very that, season one i found out that gambo as a phrase is from chrisman Oh, it is. Uh huh. He t- he was when when the original series was on. He started calling it as like an imaginary cowboy that he was like thinking the show about Gambo rides again. Okay, uh, and that's why we're calling it that. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you, Matt Christman. I don't know why for your contributions to pop culture. <laughs> we appreciate it. Has we he appreciate been on the show. No. No, just Will. Just Will and Chris. Yeah, we should have Matt on sometime. Maybe. Um, <laughs> we you're not wanted here matt no he's a nice guy but i i love matt <laughs> i love talking to him he's a lot i think it's great i i love getting drunk with him and yelling mm. whenever and anytime we hang out it's it is a full two hours of history talk yeah and screaming about it very loud it's a good time anyway let's get to the feature presentation yes let's do it feature presentation this week 2007's Juno, directed by Jason Reitman, son of Ivan Reitman. That's right. Who goes on to direct the masterpiece Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, (laughs) And uh, written by Diablo Cody. Her first little little, little thing. And then she goes on to make... um, Young Adult. And uh, Jennifer's Body, is it called? Jennifer's Body. A couple other things. A couple other things. Uh, This movie is starring... Elliot Page uh, playing Juno, the titular Juno. It's also Michael Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, also, J.K. Simmons, Simmons, who's the best one in the movie, I Jason think. Jason Bateman. He's okay. He's okay. Jennifer uh, Garner. Jennifer Garner. Yeah, so uh, why don't you run down what this movie's about? Yeah, sure. Okay, and, and just... Um, right at the top right here. Right at the top uh, here. We- <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Page is a man. Elliot Page is a man going against type in this movie, playing what? a woman. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be referring to Juno as a woman. Yeah. With she, her pronouns that she is in the movie. Yes. If we, if we are going to reference Elliot, we will call him by his name and use he, him pronouns. If we fuck this up, it is just a linguistic thing. And I'm sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> We're trying to be good. We're trying to be good. <laughs> We're doing our best. But I think we can all agree we couldn't have possibly gotten through this project without covering Juno. Of course. And this was always going to be a bit of a minefield. <laughs> We're going to do our best. Uh, so, <laughs> Juno tells the story of young Juno, who is a uh, 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 a teenager 16. in 16-year-old in Minnesota, I believe. Yep. They're it's in filmed like in sub- Canada, but it's Minnesota. They're in suburban Minnesota, uh, seemingly a suburb of Minneapolis based on some things that happened later, um, but, but seemingly a far-out suburb. It looks pretty rural. Um, granted, I've never been to the Minneapolis suburbs. Maybe this is what they look like. I've never been to Minnesota. But uh, Juno uh, has sex with Michael Sarah sometime before the beginning of the movie. When we meet her, she is uh, finding out she's pregnant uh, via Dwight Schrute at a local convenience store. And uh, Rain Wilson is insufferable in this he movie. He truly, truly sucks uh, pretty fucking bad. <laughs> and um, yeah, so she finds out she's pregnant. She starts telling people uh, she considers an abortion, but doesn't do it because uh a friend of her or somebody she knows from school is outside picketing and uh, tells her that her baby probably has fingernails by now. And for whatever reason, that's what does it. So Juno decides instead to uh, have the baby, put it up for adoption. She finds a couple in the penny saver, uh, which I don't think that's how it works. uh, Yeah. I don't think you usually (laughs) have to go through an agency, but I don't know. Uh, I have no idea really. (laughs) <laughs> but she finds a couple in the penny saver it's jason bateman and jennifer garner and they are a couple in a seemingly wealthier suburb nearby uh and uh they make an arrangement where juno is going to have the baby and give it to them jennifer garner has dreamed of having a baby her whole life jason bateman was in some sort of a like 90s uh indie like rock no band. band yeah no wave <laughs> band type of thing and uh he's maybe a little lukewarm and we find out throughout the course of the movie that he's more lukewarm than we thought Right. And uh, decides that he's actually going to divorce Jennifer Garner and move to Minneapolis to be in a band again or whatever. Right. Uh, And uh, Juno has the baby and then uh, gives it up to Jennifer Garner, who decides to raise the baby solo. And uh, all throughout this, Juno is also realizing that she's in love with Michael Sarah, even though she for whatever reason didn't want to express it until now now she decides that she will right which she is gets with michael sarah not established until most of the way through the movie that they weren't together yeah it's also confusing as to why she doesn't she's shunning him in general yeah. and then he uh is sort of like oh yeah i do like you i'm an awkward guy and she's like oh yeah i like you too and then they end up together yeah um and that's that's, and that's the movie. That's the movie for the most part. Yeah, it's a pretty simple little story. Um, really held up by a lot of performance, a lot of very good performances in this. Uh, J.K. Simmons is incredible. Uh, the woman who plays his wife is really good too. Oh yeah, what is her name? What is her name? She's a great character actor. Yeah. 
I, I so for me, I didn't like this movie when you when I watched it mm. uh, for when I was in high school. Yeah, same. I uh, thought it was cloying and confusing, and I never really felt connected to Juno or. I didn't think the chemistry between Michael Sarah and Juno was anything. Mm-hmm. Um, the most interesting nugget in the movie, I think is the little story of Jennifer Garner wanting a baby Yep, and her husband who's not ready. hundred percent. And absolutely. They're good real actors. And that is written for some reason by a different writer. Like they don't talk like that. Mm-hmm. So, so the putting this movie on was, immediately nails on the chalkboard for me where they they talk they say home skillet they yeah, say yeah, yeah, yeah. they say faux shizzle mm-hmm. like it's horrific it's really bad yeah for yeah, a it's, lot it's of very the, tough <laughs> for a lot of the movie a lot of people are using this weird non-slang that seems invented specifically for this movie mm-hmm. um apparently that is a diablo cody thing okay that's like her her trademark and, um, and i i've i've had eight nine year old memories on facebook pop up mm-hmm. and i type very annoyingly yeah but i didn't write a f- feature movie no so. but i mean but it, it kind of it kind of works for me a little bit oh because no because of the fact that like it is annoying it is ch- nails on the chalkboard but it kind of works for me because it is the kids who talk like that no it's rain wilson too and J- they make jk simmons talk like that no sometimes. he doesn't he well, doesn't he, does, he he doesn't talk like that completely but like he he says like a lot of weird shit. He's like June calls her Junebug and oh, Liberty but I Bell. Mean, and people have people have nicknames for their kids. Junebug, Liberty Bell. That's not that weird. There's more stuff. I feel like he talks weird to her. He has nicknames for her. That's not that weird. It isn't. That's not. That's not all. I don't know. I can't think of a specific example. If but you, if you come up with one, let me know. But <laughs> as far as I was able to observe. It is mostly the teenagers. Rain Wilson seems like he's supposed to be like in his 20s, whatever. It's it's the young people who talk like that. And then the married couple talk like regular people. Right. Uh, J.K. Simmons and his wife talk like Midwestern old people. Um, seemingly, it is just young people who talk like that. And bringing up your Facebook memory is interesting because of that that exact experience of looking back at like a nine-year-old post and being like jesus christ is that really what i talked (laughs) like and then and 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 that's i think what you're supposed to be feeling from juno as this 16 year old pregnant girl like we didn't have this experience as kids when we watched this movie because we were kids no i did have that experience when i watched it and i was annoyed at it but what i mean is like you didn't have the experience of being like is that really what i don't like right it's it's a different feeling you're you're seeing it and being like this is stupid you talk stupid well it felt like someone saw napoleon dynamite and was trying to recreate it napoleon dynamite is very obviously a huge influence on this movie that we'll get that right out of the way but um but what I what I'm saying Cynically though is trying to is, recreate it felt like is rewatching this as an adult. I was able to see more like how Juno's language is meant to kind of accentuate the fact that she is a 16 year old girl who is pregnant. You know, like you're supposed to be feeling like like you're not supposed to be pregnant. You're supposed to be having fun. You like. You, Right. Like seeing her dating Michael Sarah and going through this like, you know, this this childish romance or whatever, you're watching her being like, 
that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be having your fun little fling with your with your friend from school and whatever. You're not supposed to be pregnant. Like it's fucked up that this is what's happening to you. Right. You know, and and, and so I thought that was it, it worked more for me this time than it did last time. The, I still the think language it's, or the movie? The well all of it. Yeah, I think the movie definitely I mean listen, I, I also am in a very particular place in my life where i'm more uh i'm more willing to accept uh touching stories about becoming a parent but but i don't think this is a very touching story about becoming oh, a parent th- not not a dry eye in the house over here oh my god Mo and i were crying at the end oh my god when she has the baby oh my god come on stupid <laughs> <laughs> I don't so like the the thing that I don't like about this movie is that it's all plot. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like someone's first movie. Yeah, it feels like someone who doesn't really know about movies in general writing a movie, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff happens just because it happens. Um, it's funny because we've I think we've referred to this movie uh, in our in our minds as like a political movie. Like mm-hmm. there like there was a weird specific like it's not. It's anti. It takes some stance on abortion. The thing about this movie is kind of worse. Is that it's so disconnected from anything that the reason she doesn't have a baby is not for any real reason. It's just because she chickens out, right? And it's really because the movie has to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Like the there's no like she does, Diablo Cody isn't trying to say. And as a matter of fact, I've you know I'm sure you read, uh, like she's mentioned and Elliot's mentioned that like. They're both pro-abortion and like Diablo Cody said, like she would never have written this if she thought it was going to be seen as a, as a uh, anti-abortion movie Mm -hmm. because it's, it's a movie written by someone who is not trying to make a statement. They're trying to just get from point A to point B. And she's like, what if this, what if there was a girl who wanted to give herself up, her baby up for adoption? This is the situation. Yeah. And so you spend half an hour maybe 45 minutes getting to that point <laughs> and she's like okay well she just like it's funny because the scene in the abortion clinic uh the women what is it called uh like, help w- it's like called women rock or something no, it's like help women now or something women like that. now yeah yeah um the scene is like it's just that the girl at the counter is annoying and like everyone and that it smelled weird in there mm-hmm. like it doesn't it doesn't mean anything it's just like no one went with her and and she's a child and she just chickened out and i was like what if i just had the baby it'll be easier which is like not making any statement it's fine Mm -hmm. and i mean it does exist in a political world i guess though because it like she does explicitly encounter an anti-abortion protester there so there is some sort sort of of a i wouldn't say it's a statement but it's at the very least it's it's adding more politics to the story than most of these movies do. It really shouldn't have been there. Like, it feels like it's there just for a weird joke about fingernails. Mm-hmm. And it's like that girl, it's like, there's no like religious fanatics. She's just like a, a confused child who right. is just like, no, don't kill the baby. And then Juno's like, I guess that's, I shouldn't. And like, I worked on teen mom too for many years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and kids have babies for weird reasons like it's not because they're necessarily anti-abortion it's not because they think abortion is bad they just don't want to or they feel like they can't or they shouldn't or right like they have different influences in their life and diablo cody isn't really interested in engaging with that mm. at all like 
That's not yeah. the point of it at all. It's not really clear what the point is, is kind of the problem <laughs> with the movie, This is my big right? problem with it's the like, movie. It's is... kind of not clear what the point of this movie is. It's like, there's little points where it feels like it's kind of starting to lock into something about, like, like expectation around becoming a parent and, like, the way that Jason Bateman is this, like, fucking coward who's just like, like, I'm not ready yet. Like, <laughs> what if, like, my life is, like... You know, my, I, I have uh, so many more things I want to do before I have this baby. Right. And it's, and it's also really confu- like his whole thing is so confusing because like the movie quite a few times kind of tries to get you on his side in weird mm-hmm. ways where it's like. Well, he's playing the he's playing the Natalie Portman role in this movie where he's the one showing you the, you know, the the music and the quirky movie and whatever. Right, yeah. And, like it's interesting because it's kind of making a statement, I guess, about like man children. <laughs> I'm not really clear, but it's it, the point is it's like it's a very common feeling before you have a kid where you're like, I don't know, like, am I ready? Is it going to be like, is my life going to be fucking over and whatever? And like, and, and, and I don't know. It's, it's not been my experience is I guess. No, you like having a baby. I, not only do I love having a baby, <laughs> but I also like make more stuff now than I like did during a lot of my freest time, you right. know? Like, yeah. 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 Uh, it, it it's so i guess like there was a feeling for a little while where like it felt like they were talking about expectation and like the the expectation that you put on a new life right where like he's like he's like i'm free now and and my expectation is that my life will be over when this baby is born and then jennifer garner is like i want this more than anything and this baby is going to bring me to heaven you know like i'm yeah. going to be like saved by this baby this is all i want out of my life is yeah, to have then, a baby and then juno has this expectation they of like s- huh? do they say why she can't have a baby or she just just can't i think she, she probably just is is uh, uh infertile or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, maybe older. I don't know. She doesn't seem that old. I know. I felt like they were trying to style them a bit older than right. they actually are. Yeah. But then Juno has this expectation of like, you know, this perfect family that she's giving this baby to. And, th- but th- that's the problem, right? Is that they don't really drill into that enough. Uh, it feels like they want Juno doing too many things. Yeah. They, they, the thing that's hard about Juno is that she's trying to be Enid from ghost world, but also like a kind of, innocent Mm -hmm. and being used but also not uh and then her relationship with her parents and like the way she's like navigating all this stuff way too much by herself Mm -hmm. and she has a friend character who doesn't really help her in any way that's like like, not around enough and it's like not clear a lot of the time like why why she's there yeah at all like is what the purpose of her is in the script uh, it's like just to have a different person there who isn't Michael Sarah because he mm-hmm. has to serve this other purpose. Yeah. It's just very messy, I think. And I think once you get into Jennifer Gardner and Jason Bateman's house, it is a nice little comedy drama about a couple doing this. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of the rest of the movie that I just don't like. Yeah. That I really found grating and boring. Her relationship with her stepmom is annoying. Like, for example, they go to get an ultrasound. And during that, the ultrasound technician, like, 
is real shitty about yeah. like how she's not too young to have like she's too young to have a baby and then the stepmom like goes off on the ultrasound technician mm-hmm. it's like why is this movie anti-ultrasound technicians <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird it is weird it is it is real though i mean like there are a lot of like not ultrasound ladies in particular but like just around the process of having a kid there's a lot of people you have to meet and go to and whatever and a sure. lot of different things you got to do and like you get a lot of like weird like unsolicited bullshit from people <laughs> a fair amount it's sure. like not uncommon for like someone to just say some weird shit to you and like they're i don't know i don't know what diablo cody's deal is if she was like a parent already or whatever mm-hmm. like but I could see that coming from a place of being like, yeah, fuck, I should have said, fuck, I should have said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it just feels at once too personal and, and also not informed by mm-hmm. real people or real life. Um, yeah. I think the, the strongest thing I agree with you is, is Jason Bateman and Jennifer Garner. I think um, JK Simmons is like really criminally underutilized. Yeah, because he doesn't really have enough to do in the movie. He's He's such a good dad, but he's not like there for her at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she's going through this stuff and then I guess he's got the younger daughter to be dealing with. But those moments of like, like where she comes to the house and she's like just dealing with something way beyond my maturity level, which is like, I just really hate this this thing that really feels like a like a mid 2000s thing of like writing a teenager who's way too smart Mm -hmm. like i just don't like it like i i she's like oh i'm dealing with stuff way beyond my maturity level and instead of like he's supposed to be a available loving dad but then doesn't ask about it and isn't like hey you have to tell me like he's just a friend who lives there Mm -hmm. and it's like what is why is he there then what is the point of this yeah like what did i get from the sequence where she doesn't tell him anything and then he assumes it's about him and how how, how good of a dad he is like i don't i don't know what i'm supposed to be feeling in a uh, lot yeah i mean i thought he was joking i know but then he doesn't like if he's joking but they don't have the release of it yeah then he doesn't actually have any advice for her that so much of it just feels so sloppy mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's really grating and bad like dwight Schrute, and especially it's funny because as the movie goes on she stops talking like that as much mm-hmm. like she goes into enid mode where she's just like has a dark sense of humor and it's like actually i love horror movies and mata hoople and like i'm a cool nerd girl or whatever yeah there's weird stuff like one of the sloppiest things for me is like the um the like uh voiceover interjections yeah you're like what are the rules around this when does this happen <laughs> are you like is this your internal monologue are you telling this story in retrospect it like, doesn't like bookend anything what's and- happening with this and they're like just random things like I always remember it, the early scene in the movie where the boys are running past and she's like, whenever I see them running, I just think about their dicks and you're yeah. like, what is this doing in here? Yeah, Why do I want to know that? Is that funny? Is it funny? There's a lot is of stuff it where like... it's like, is this supposed to be funny? I'm actually not sure. Not as an insult to Diablo Cody, but just like, I really don't know if you think it's funny or cute or, or 
like kitschy. just personal or whatever like um, is that just supposed to show like i'm a teenager and i'm horny and that's why i'm pregnant right you know the other one i remember is um michael sarah's mom who inexplicably hates juno mm. she just like opens the door and she's like she used to be pretty once maybe but now she looks like a hobbit and it's like okay well it's not a book yeah i'm looking at this person yeah <laughs> i don't know what you mean like uh, yeah okay is that a joke are you just saying she's ugly for some reason? Like, yeah. <laughs> why? Although I think that uh, Michael Sarah's mom has one of my favorite moments of the movie uh-huh. when um, she's like, she's like talking to him and she's like, you want to come down for dinner? He's like, no, I'm not hungry. And she's like, oh, it's breakfast for dinner. Your favorite. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great little, like, <laughs> such a really personal little, little line. But it's breakfast for dinner. It's breakfast for dinner. Your favorite. <laughs> that's the thing is that the movie really tries to have that tone that Mm -hmm. like i like we talked about uh it tries to be napoleon dynamite where it feels really lived in yeah and like really strange and quirky but like not for any other reason than that's how these characters actually behave and are uh and it fails i think that everything about that really fails michael Sarah's character is nothing yeah michael sarah's character is a nerd like the it's also funny there's a there's a moment um where juno does a voiceover and uh she's like all guys like that all bullies like that like weird girls oh yeah which and i then, don't know where that comes from that's I don't definitely know. not true no it's absolutely not also true. sean from degrassi <laughs> <laughs> and then you and can't then, sneak that by me and then jason reitman cuts to a real human woman in a pose like a paper cutout doll Mm. and then like it takes her clothes off and then puts goth clothes on her Mm. and then puts it black hair like it's on a black background yeah yeah yeah. what the fuck is that i don't know i don't know what that's it's like okay women are just clothes or like i don't yeah and 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 (laughs) and it's just these like little it's these little creative decisions where you're like this needs to be more throughout this movie to feel like it belongs in here right like that doesn't happen again the the voiceover thing happens a few times but it's really so rare that you forget that they do it and then when it happens you're like what what's happening <laughs> like my memory of the movie before this was that she only does it the one time with the with the whenever i see their their shorts i think about oh, their yeah. dicks that's the only one i remembered and so in my memory of the movie there was one time they use voiceover and you're like why do they only do it once it's that's like so weird two or three times but not enough where it's like a motif right it just happens sometimes because diablo cody thought of something and then wrote it down right and then jason reitman was just like i must slavishly make this movie without any edits for some reason yeah also weird stuff like um when they're when her and jason bateman are talking about movies Mm -hmm. uh, or bands and she she says she likes the stooges and two other bands and then there's like black and white photographs of actually the bands why yeah why what is that i know that they're bands i don't (laughs) i don't need you to explain to me that they're bands thanks for reminding me that bands exist there's just a ton of shit that feels so the opening credits was just like style over substance oh yeah it's like a whole little music video for that uh is it devondra bonhart that song i don't know what song it was i i i I didn't recognize it i didn't know any of this stuff i didn't like this movie and i didn't like the soundtrack Mm. because i liked moldy peaches at th- before i saw it yeah and then i was like oh good 
Yeah, this really brutalized the moldy peaches in a pretty major way. <laughs> it's funny. I, it's I something was... that I noticed in the movie this time that I found very hilarious is that I, I always remember that it closes on them playing uh, anyone else but you. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, cowards, fucking cowards, <laughs> skipping the 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 shake a little turd out of the bottom of your pants uh, stanza. <laughs> fucking pussies. Oh, put it back in. It? The, put it back in. <laughs> that belongs in there. <laughs> That's a part of the song. That's a part of the song. It's the best part. <laughs> um, but uh, I always remember them playing it at the end. It's uh, a great song. It's a great song. But I, I remembered it and and in my memory I was like, oh, so they were fans of the Moldy Peaches and they were playing the Moldy Peaches song, right? Yeah. And I never remembered this. I never realized it until I watched it this time. There's a scene where she's talking to Michael Sarah on the phone or something and he's playing around with a guitar. He's writing the riff. He's writing the he he Oh, is that the implication? In in the fiction of Juno <laughs> Michael Sarah Michael wrote that Sarah song. and Juno wrote anyone else but you that's their song but the moldy peaches exist because they're elsewhere in the soundtrack so they are a real band in the universe of juno and he wrote that and song he wrote that song and, and moldy peaches didn't i did not take that from it but i think i thought he was learning it i but maybe could, he was learning it you but you could be right i don't I, know but it's more in line with like a like a biopic scene where he's like playing it close and he's like mm, not quite that right yeah, yeah yeah it sounds like he just like is figuring it out you're yeah. right that's so silly <laughs> uh yeah just a ton of really stupid decisions i mean this is this jason reitman's first film too maybe no i think he maybe did one before um but i i just for me the uh juice isn't worth the squeeze here like <laughs> like it does like the ta- it doesn't taste good what? enough <laughs> i have never heard that expression before you haven't <laughs> the juice isn't worth the squeeze <laughs> it's so funny because you know what i was thinking about today was <laughs> i was uh we just did an album around alien ant farm and i was remembering how much the bassist like like oh, he has all, like seven strings he's got and so many strings and he's all over the fretboard and he's just playing like crazy and i was like listening to a song of theirs i'm like you don't hear it you really don't hear no, that no, no, much no. crazy noodling on the bass and i was thinking it's like when you get like a gigantic lime and you squeeze it and like you get the tiniest little drop out of it and you're just <laughs> like you don't have to do all that if it's just going to end up sounding like you're playing the root notes anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah juice isn't worth the squeeze juice isn't worth the squeeze yeah gary says that uh <laughs> I guess I'm taking it from him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where it's just like the juice doesn't taste good enough for all the work you have to do yeah, to get yeah, it. Yeah, and yeah. for me, it's just like, I, I, I agree. Like the, the, the sequence of once you forget about the really poor way we get to the story, which is I, so stupid that people think it's a anti-abortion movie. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's not wrong to kind of take that from it. It's like, this movie is like okay the setup is you could never have an abortion don't do it this will be better yeah bless somebody with a baby yeah and you put somebody in the scene i this is the thing is it's kind of bullshit to be like like i don't know how anybody could have taken that from this like you literally put a person in the parking lot saying your baby has a heartbeat your baby has fingernails juno goes in no babies want to be murdered she sees people picking at their fingernails she hears the person tapping she goes home and she says you know my baby has fingernails. I can't do this. Yeah. Like, that's what you wrote. 
you know, Diablo. That's what you fucking wrote. If that is your real name. If that is your real name, I have my suspicions. But that's what's in the fucking movie. Like, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable for people to see that and be like, oh, this is a movie about how you shouldn't have an abortion because your baby's a person. Right. It does feel that way. And then, I don't know. It's like... I, I I just feel like it's a weird message to put out into... The, the, there's a whole thing on the Wikipedia of, like, the Juno effect. Try to blame this movie that, like, like teenage pregnancy slightly mm. went up. Uh, I don't think that that's no, the case. No, that's probably not the case. Uh, it, if, if, there, one, if anything, it's responsible for the, the uptick in teen mom media. Like, shows like Teen Mom which on is MTV terrible. probably were you know, specifically coming off the backs of the success of this 16 movie. and pregnant. The MTV show c- happened two years later. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had the same fucking like, yeah, the font, the hand drawn shit and stuff. Like it's, it's absolutely responsible for that stuff. Jason Reitman's first film was called thank you for smoking. And I, Oh, re- that is a good movie. I, I really like that loved one, yeah. it when I was a kid, uh, especially as a smoker. Yeah. I guess I <laughs> haven't seen it in a long time, but I do remember liking it. I remember there's like a, a courtroom speech so maybe that's not good mm. uh but i he he did after this up in the air which i'm pretty sure is a very good movie yeah i remember liking up in the air too um then he did young adult which is only okay and then a bunch of movies i haven't seen and then ghostbusters afterlife and then ghostbusters afterlife which is very bad very bad um but yeah it's i don't know so you like this movie i liked it a lot more than i expected to uh considering my memory of it was of it being completely abysmal and unwatchable my experience (laughs) of it this time was a lot better than i expected it was charming at times it was funny sometimes it's not unfunny there's there's especially with jennifer garner and jason bateman yeah uh they have some stuff that's that's reasonably funny yeah and 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 i found a lot of interesting compelling stuff in what a like you know what a coward jason bateman's character is and like this like weird thing that starts to happen around this time of life where like he's kind of like thinking about past glories and like trying to maybe like go back to them somehow as if he's not you know like you know who he is now right Um, i also liked their the depiction of their relationship mm -hmm. which was juno liked him because he's cool yeah and thought of him earnestly as a guy she liked hanging around with and although at the same time kind of know that it's like a little bit flirty that that but she has a line in her mind of like what it is and then he oversteps that boundary and yeah. her sort of like genuine like don't fucking do this man like that felt good to mm-hmm. me like that was like a nice representation of the way you, a real dynamic that exists yes exactly yeah. the way you get close to someone and then in a in a very inappropriate way they are disappoint you and and similarly like his relationship with Jennifer Garner feels very real in the way that like you have this sort of like track laid out of life 
where it's like, okay, I'm supposed to at some point yeah, like, yeah, realize yeah. that this thing isn't going to happen and then move towards something else that's viable. And then at some point you get to that stage of the track where you're like, fuck, I'm writing this stupid little jingle. I'm supposed to be in a cool band. What the fuck am I doing? I'm looking at paint on this wall. This sucks. Right. <laughs> you know, I liked that dynamic a lot. And the thing about it is that like, I just wish most of the movie was about it. Yeah. Like, I wish we were with them way more. I wanted to see why they were together how it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really get that. You get this very stilted child's view of like, Oh, we're a happy couple. And then you start to see that they absolutely aren't right. And I kind of, I mean, I, I could see it doing well still through that lens. I like that lens. Yeah. Uh, but we needed more of it. And less of Michael Sarah's whole thing. Like, I really don't give a shit about them at all. I don't give it. That's that's one of the biggest problems with the movie is that it's kind of a romantic comedy about them. But you don't get to spend any time with them. And all the time you get to spend with them is very boring. Yeah. And stilted and unfunny. Um, seemingly on purpose. Like, Michael Sarah is just like, well, who's, who, who? whose idea was it then i thought i should be mad at you actually and like it's like shut up man yeah i don't care you're not interested you're not a person you're not a real guy yeah he sucks it's there um <laughs> and <laughs> i i feel like i feel like that's there's just so much weak sauce stuff in the movie yeah. that i don't think it's very good let's talk about it i know we're kind of at time but let's talk about how it fits in though mm-hmm. um this is this movie is one hundred percent directly influenced by Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, by this is this is where it's funny because when I when I watched Napoleon Dynamite, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I was saying how it's like it's definitely adjacent to the genre, but doesn't necessarily fit in. This is where it fits in. This is what makes it part of the Tweet Thousand. Absolutely, you don't realize it until you see this that it's like it's a it's an odd connection, right? Because usually it's like it's something before that leads into something later. And you see this very direct connection. This is the first one where it's like Napoleon dynamite was a totally fringe thing that wasn't influenced by any of the other stuff that then added into the mix. Yeah. Like a branch is kind of connecting towards each other. Yeah. Like Ivy. But, and that's, what's interesting is that this one very directly, uh, influenced by Napoleon dynamite, but also very obviously influenced by uh, garden state, there's, you know, we have like the very, very obvious needle drop soundtrack of indie rock. We have the guy right. very specifically doing like, you know, this will change your life, you know. And this was sharing media will change <laughs> your life. Yeah. I think what's interesting now is that like kind of like like Little Miss Sunshine is a movie that is kind of taking it's a movie that kind of took the sad guy story about alienation and then extrapolated to a sad family story about alienation Mm. and togetherness and it has the aesthetic this movie story-wise almost completely unrelated yeah uh and is all aesthetic um yeah we don't really have the uh the the search for connection and alienating world no it's just about like you know trying to get through it's just a coming of age story yeah um although i guess Jason Bateman is kind of alienated yeah. and seeking connection from Juno. But he's the bad guy. But he's the bad guy. 
It is interesting, too, that he's the bad guy, right? Because yeah. it's like he's doing all the stuff from these movies. He's the one being like, check out Sonic Youth covering the Carpenters. It'll change your life. Right. This, I think, is a really interesting bookend, this and Ghost World. Mm-hmm. Because this is, to me, like kind of just bad Ghost World. Like right. sort of processed, packaged, like what is female teenage angst? But then it's like this very like pat, like rom-com twee aesthetic that kind of takes all the life out of it for me yeah and i feel like people really liked elliot's performance here i think elliot is an extremely charismatic young actor Mm -hmm. but like as a character juno doesn't really do much for me yeah like she is just sort of a smart ass know-it-all who I doesn't think, really want anything? Yeah, I think at the I think towards the end his performance really starts to like amp up and get a lot better like um kind of as as the pregnancy progresses and and he's becoming more and more frustrated with just like people like eyes on him all the time and 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 you know uh or I guess we're talking about the character now eyes on her all the time and 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 uh like, like the, the like the, the devastation the the realest thing in this the thing that really fucked us up mo and i and like really had us crying and whatever was at the end after juno has the baby and and officially has has relinquished control and there's this this very real and very raw moment of her just crying in the bed and michael sarah holding her mm. and you're like realizing like yeah like as much as you you were ready for this and this is what you wanted to do and this is what you did and whatever. There is still a very real, very biological thing that's happening with you right now that you're just coping with right now and there's nothing that anybody can do and it's (laughs) really hard. And this also, honestly, this also hit at a very interesting time because this is like this week is the, is uh, the anniversary of my wife going into the hospital. um, Oh yeah. And uh, so this would be one year, two years, two years. Yeah. Nico's going to be two next week. Yeah. So we're, I mean, you know, she was in for like two weeks and then Nico was born. And um, so, I mean, we're already like very emotional just remembering that time period and like what a crazy fucking thing that was. And so then on top of that, we're like, oh, wow, look at her just devastating crying in in bed about (laughs) this baby. (laughs) I remember doing that. Right. (laughs) But I mean, I think for me, someone who's not had a baby, Mm -hmm. like, it's sort of just a silent scene, kind of contextless of mm. just like, yep. And then you have the baby and then it's sad that I guess like, what, what are we supposed to feel for Juno? Is like, is she sad that she's giving the well, baby I mean, she's away? Like, she's just been like, through a, a violent and painful ordeal of giving birth, which we like don't see. No, it's not uh, really important. Which is interesting. Uh, that's an interesting choice. You very rarely get that in in like baby movies, right? You usually you just see straight screaming. up don't yeah. see the labor at all. Well, there's a, a like a, a slow motion tableau where she's screaming and then it's, right. and then it's over. But it's like uh, I mean, you know, she's been through this like violence and emotional ordeal of giving birth to a baby, and then like there's a there's a you know a biological connection thing that's you know it's whether you want the baby or not (laughs) like you know that's that's there for at least a bit and i think you're supposed to be kind of feeling what did you make of the the note at the end when she she gives jennifer garner a note 
oh, that yeah. says, if you're still down, I'm down. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm in, I think. Yeah, it's like, I'm in. Do you think whatever, that yeah. she's changing her mind about how often she'll see the thing? Or is it like uh, the thing, the, the baby? Uh, No, I don't think so. No. She's just saying, we're going to do the deal. Yeah, it's just saying like, you know, I... Cause you know, they. She was there for this very tumultuous moment in their relationship, where right. Jason Bateman said, "Like I'm out of here," and you could imagine Jennifer Garner as being like, "Well, fuck! Like not only, not only are we getting divorced, and I'm yeah. gonna have to figure out how to, you know, navigate that and and figure out what my life is without my husband, but now also this girl is almost certainly fucked <laughs> off uh, and right. gone somewhere else. So it's. I think it's her just being like, you know what." fuck this fuck jason bateman that guy's a piece of shit he probably wasn't going to be a very active father anyway it's probably going to be functionally the same whether he's there or not right, they have a really okay pretty decent moment in the mall yeah yeah that yeah. That, that isn't bad jennifer gardner's acting is a little weird mm-hmm. um it could have been better i think there's just like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that could have been a lot better yeah uh, if you had maybe a writer do another pass on this um and i just some of it like i said i just some of it i just really don't like but i think it's interesting because it's it's a little it was a very very popular drama Mm -hmm. uh drama comedy coming of age whatever the fuck that was very uh very well received uh roger ebert said it was the best movie of the year um it's funny i read uh on on wikipedia someone said jim derogatus criticized the film's stylized di- dialogue and what he saw as a casual take on abortion and juno's nativity and becoming pregnant claiming as an unapologetically old school feminist the father of a soon-to-be teenage daughter a reporter who regularly talks to actual teens as part of his beat and a plain old moviegoer i hated 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 this movie <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like i'm more on that guy's side i'm not a, a, a mother but i i have i've talked to kids <laughs> and i just i found that very annoying and and unrealistic in a way mm-hmm. like why would you make up someone saying wizard like did he just like episode one the phantom yeah, menace right. a lot like i don't get it uh stuff like that just lots of bad decisions but it is very much in line with the trajectory that hollywood was taking at this point where it's like if you want to make an 80s style uh non-action movie you want to do a drama it's got to be a twee indie comedy yeah and i don't know if that was like in a contract ever (laughs) but it sure feels like it you know like it had to be like this yeah um and it really really is um so i think it's an interesting um a a penultimate episode because it's so so deep in the mire of that aesthetic yeah so would you recommend it uh yes i would you would recommend i would recommend it i think if you're i mean if you're not interested in in the tweet thousands at all then maybe not but uh i think as a time capsule of this time period of of film you're really not going to find a better one than this. I would recommend it over Garden State for understanding like what 2000s cinema was like. Um, I mean, I think there's probably better movies like Squid and the Whale. Yeah, uh, but you're not going to get it. Like this is this is such a perfect 
like representation of of 2007 specifically of this like there there was late like era the late era of it like the the changing over of like the genuine movement of the first half of the 2000s to the the monetized version of it in the later half like it's 2007 yeah. or 2008 i believe is when um like ting tings come out oh yeah and that was the one <laughs> That's the money. yeah yeah and and those videos i remember seeing them and being like oh they're dressing like they're dressing like brooklyn people yeah on mtv now mm-hmm. and i remember seeing that and being like oh oh <laughs> i see what's happening now mm-hmm. like this is now fully like this is national yeah it's interesting how fast it is now mm-hmm. like i forget that we live here and people don't know still like they're like the the tiktokers style is like just now starting to look the way the kids look around here mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like weird docks that are also sandals and flowy shirts and right. dangly earrings and stuff and mullets it's weird the way that changes so quick but it's but it's it used to take almost a decade yeah. and now it takes like a year well it's interesting and we'll talk about this more next week uh with chris and molly uh right that is next week that's next week and yeah. it will be the last episode of the 2000s. 2000s um but something we'll talk about more next week is is like the decade starts very publicly right like like the strokes are like on mtv right mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the 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 way I see it at least is like, that's kind of like the bombastic like opening of this era of like indie rock rising and, Mm. and you know, all of these kind of like the movies and the music kind of like in lockstep with each other in this one particular direction. It begins very big Mm. and then it's, it's small again for a while and kind of rises back up again to here where we're at Juno and Ting Tings. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, a movie I do not recommend. Yeah. I don't think it's that very, I don't think it's very good. I think like you're saying, like I, I buy that like historically it's one of the most specifically twee thousands movies we've watched. I will hold that recommendation only on the historical importance after we watch 500 days of summer again, because <laughs> I think that one has a chance of being even more like specifically. Yeah. Um, but honestly, as just a, as just a comedy drama coming of age movie. Like I just don't think it's very good. Not a big wreck. Not a very soft wreck from Jeremy. Very soft. No, for me too. Like I I don't think it's God awful. Like it's not, it is not by any means like an unwatchable, hateful mess. It's just messy and there's nice stuff in it and there's pretty lame stuff in it. So, all right. Anything else we need to talk about? That's it. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Brendan and Jeremy. If you'd like it to, doesn't take us all too seriously. It also, <laughs> and if you would like to hear more of that kind of thing, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Generation Loss. You're not going to believe this, folks. We take ourselves even less seriously there. Very less seriously. Um, and we are we are currently ranking all of the episodes we've ever done. We also hit on movie news and conversations about things like that. Um, otherwise you can follow us on Twitter at Gen Lost Pod. You will get Discord benefits where you can hang out with us. Uh follow us individually from there and we will see you next time. 
That's movies. <laughs> Let's try it one more time. Until next time. That's, that's movies. Sleeping in the between A and B. Sucking dick for ecstasy. Date a seven year old hooker to make out with me. Short. Sure.